We're recording. Let's do it, man. I hope you had a wonderful day today. Bless the Lord. And let's go to Matthew 27, 45 through 46 tonight. I think this is going to be my last lesson from the cross, but I believe it's going to bless you real good. And I just want to share this with you tonight and and a a word that I believe is going to be expedient and helpful. Amen. Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46. And let's hear what the word of the Lord has to say from us tonight uh, and, and, and be a blessing to the saints. Amen. Matthew uh, 27, verse number 45 through 46. The Bible says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, you can be very honest. I don't want you to be super spiritual on this. Have you ever felt like God has forsaken you? Anybody ever been there? Amen. You be very honest. All right. Tonight, I want to deal with this because this is going to bless you. It's going to fortify your faith. The Bible says in verse number 46, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the what hour? The ninth hour. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Sixth hour was noon. From noon to three o'clock, there was darkness on the land. And before I give you a subject, how many of you know there's a time limit on your feeling forsaken? Bless his holy name. There's a time limit on being in the dark. There's a time limit. There's an in-between season, and that in-between season has a cap on it. And all I'm trying to say tonight is, and look at your neighbor and tell them this, trouble don't last always. Did you get it that way? (laughs) The time capsule may be too complicated. Trouble don't last always. So tonight, from that little gap, that 12 to 3 o'clock, it being dark the, 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 to the ninth hour, if you will. I want to talk from this thought, how to survive the wilderness. How to survive the wilderness. I noticed on Sunday when I brought forth the revelation of how when people get delivered, they don't go into the promised land. They actually go into the wilderness. I noticed that that sparked some interest. Uh, in the saints. And God said tonight, develop that, develop that. Because uh, if you know anything about coming out of bondage, how many of you know the day you get delivered is not always the day you get blessed? The day you get freed up or the day you get a revelation of Christ, you still end up having to travail through some things to gradually but surely get to the promised land. And I use the example on Sunday, and I could tell this blessed a lot of people, but uh, when Israel was with Moses and Moses took them out of Egypt, the next step was not the promised land. When Moses took them out of Egypt, y'all, what was the next step? The wilderness. In fact, they were in the wilderness for a long time, longer than they should have been. And we're going to deal with that tonight because I don't want you to extend your wilderness any longer than it needs to be. How many people will say amen to that? I don't know about you, but Tracy, I don't want to go through anything that God hadn't ordained me to go through. Proverbs 19 and 3 says, one man does foolish things and blames the results on God. 
I don't want to blo- I don't want to do nothing that causes more pain in my life. Jesus was clear when he said in this world, we're going to have tribulation anyway. There's certain things you got to go through anyway, but be of good cheer because he has what? Overcome the world. Bless his holy name. You're going to come out, but you still have to go through wildernesses throughout your lifespan. So tonight I'm going to help you to survive the wilderness and make sure that that wilderness does not get any expanded than it should be. Somebody say amen. So if you're writing tonight, get this definition down. Bondage is anything that prohibits you from being free. Bondage is anything that prohibits you from being what? Free. Most people would admit that they don't want to be in bondage, and most people would admit that they would prefer to be in the promised land. And for the record, no one is really excited about the in-between season. You ever been in-between? Okay, now I always see, I can tell you I'm going to be quiet tonight. Let me, let me describe it this way. You ever been in between pay periods? I, got, I can tell I'm going to have to keep using those earthly parables to get y'all to say amen because y'all came in a little tired tonight. But you ever been in between? I'm talking about before you came into. Now, some of us, Lord, have blessed us, and we're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. But if you be honest, you've all, how many know we've all been there or are there? We've been there before. And when you like get paid, it's like hallelujah, praise his holy name. I can finally go to the grocery store. Come on, somebody. Then you look at the pay stuff and you aggravate it because taxes took on it and you want to turn your 401k off. You know, you start getting frustrated because, you know, you're like, man, I could have used that $200 I put in 401k this week. You in between. Some of us, I heard a brother tell me this week he quit it was a good job, but he quit the job because they only pay monthly. Now, he's getting the same amount of money, but he needed at least every two weeks. That's a mindset right there. He don't like money in a lump sum like that. He need, he need to be paid working for a good bank. I'm not going to say the name of the bank, but there's a bank that, that, that's in this area, and some of you work for that bank, as a matter of fact, won't say the name of it, but they pay monthly. And the brother said, I left the bank because I need to be paid at least, I prefer weekly, but I need every two weeks. I said, good God from on high. Lord, bless people and they go crazy, all right? Well, that, you know, so, so, so there's an in-between. And everybody in here, you've been in an in-between, you are in an in-between, and some of our in-betweens are harder than others. I guarantee you, if you're in this church, you have a wilderness right now. I, you know, for somebody, your wilderness is, I can't wait till I meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. I'm tired of being single. You know, that can be a wilderness. For somebody else, I can't wait until I get that diagnosis. All right? That my uh, illness is over for good. How many of you know going for chemo is a wilderness? Ain't nothing exciting about that. All right. For somebody else, your wilderness tonight. And I'm telling you, all of us have it. But how how many people in here uh, live in a house that you purchased? Show your hands. All right. Or you at least have lived in one. All right. Now I got a curveball for you. How many people in here ever signed up for a 15 or 30 year mortgage? Baby, you in the wilderness. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. I'm in it, too. Don't worry. I got one, too. You're in the wilderness. You and the baby, you are in the wilderness until you send that final payment in. You don't own that house. 
You better keep paying it every month. That's the wilderness. Come on, somebody. So, and, and we don't view it that way, but however great or small, we all got one. You know, if you in, in the in the process, you carrying a baby tonight. I look at Sister Yolanda and First Lady Rogers and Sister Kim. My God, it's getting ready to get hot. How many of you know they in the wilderness, man? It is what it is. Come on. And I try to make life as comfortable as I can for my sweet wife. You know, today I did everything for her, gave all the kids a bath, you know, just really do my part. Fix all the lunches. I think I got to go on a field trip tomorrow. Come on. Come on, somebody. Because it's too hot for her to go. I got to sit there and chase Carl down. I hope I don't get the wrong group. I'm tired of being a chaperone. I always get that kid that just, man, golly, man. You know, and I'd be about to take my belt off, and I realize he's not my child. You know, I can't beat him like that, can't give him a spanking. Um, that's the wilderness, for the record. I can't wait till that field trip is over. But I'm saying that to say we all have something that we are waiting on promise in. So this lesson tonight applies to you. And this is why it is crucial. And I told you on Sunday about the young lady who gets born again, who let's say she was a stripper. Okay. If she really gets saved when she got born again, she just lost her job. You just literally made her unemployed. Did you know that? The guy who sells drugs, when he gets born again, I'm talking about those guys who get saved for real, the gang member, the drug dealer, who was making $3,000 a day. These guys who sell, man, they do well. I got a relative like that. Everything he has bought, he bought cash. Kingpin. You follow me? When they get saved, they go out of business. They go from living a CEO lifestyle to now figuring out what credentials they have to apply for a normal job. Think about that. What do they do when they walk into an employer and they ask them, what have you been doing the last eight years? Well, somebody say pharmaceuticals. <laughs> pharmaceutical sales. About the best answer they could give. Well, were you at Pfizer? Who were you at? I can't disclose the company. You follow me? Right? So when you get them delivered, and I'm making you laugh a little bit, we going through this thing, though. When you get somebody delivered, you put them automatically in a wilderness. And Jesus on the cross here, since we're learning lessons from the cross, look at the text. He was in his wilderness. The Bible says from 12 to 3 o'clock, there was darkness, verse 45, over all the land until the what hour? The ninth hour. He wasn't coming out. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Y'all, this was Jesus. Even Jesus, the omnipotent, omniscient one, had to admit that he was in a wilderness. And you say, Pastor Gabe, this text don't got nothing to do with wilderness. Well, I studied the Bible, so come with me to John 3, 14. Because where Jesus was crucified was a wilderness experience. Look at John chapter 3, verse 14. He really was fulfilling prophecy. 
And I want you to see it because Mo- he, he, we draw a comparison to Jesus being lifted up just as Moses lifted up a staff in the wilderness or lifted up the serpent. And I want you to see why we draw surviving the, the wilderness from this text. If you look at John chapter 3, verse number uh, 14, the Bible says, <clears throat> and as Moses did what? Lifted up the serpent in the what? Wilderness. wilderness. Even so, the Son of Man must be what? Lifted up. You see the comparison? He had to be lifted up. Well, he was also lifted up in a wilderness. In fact, if you read Matthew chapter 4, and we don't have time to go through all this tonight, uh, (coughs) you read Matthew chapter 4, you'll notice that Jesus was tested in the what? Wilderness. Satan tried Jesus three times in his wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus gave him so many good answers. You won't tempt the Lord your God. You follow me? So how many of you know it's in your wilderness that the enemy desires to get you to change your mind about the promised land? It's in your wilderness that the enemy desires to get you to change your disposition about where God is taking you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the question becomes tonight, how do we uh, survive the wilderness or or how do we, if you will, thwart bondage? Somebody say, I'm coming out of bondage. And I'm getting ready to quote a passage to you, 2 Corinthians 3.17, that we've always used and applied it to shouting, 2 Corinthians 3.17, and that's good. I'll continue to use it for that, and I don't tell you you can't use it. Praise and worship leaders, keep using this passage. Nothing wrong with using it to edify or exhort people. But what the passage actually means is to be free in Christ. The Bible says, now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The passage really is not referring to liberty to praise, although where the spirit of the Lord is, you have liberty to praise. How many would agree with that? So it's kind of like a dual meeting, but pound for pound, what it means is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is no bondage. Oh, y'all not getting it. So all I'm trying to convince you of tonight is, is if, and thank you, John, if we get the spirit of God in proper place, whether our wilderness is a 30-year mortgage or coming out of sin, the spirit of the Lord will give us the grace and the empowerment to overcome whatever our wilderness is. Somebody say amen. Maybe your wilderness is you're waiting on God to do something great for you. Well, you get the spirit of the Lord, you're going to get liberty. And even while you're waiting on manifestation, you still won't be bound. You don't see it yet, but you're free. You got liberty. You're not debt free yet, but you well on your way. You got liberty. Come on, somebody. Come on, when you really get the spirit of the Lord and you get liberty, man, you can be divorced and you be so free in your mind. You're not held captive to that. Come on. You have broken the yoke and it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. So all I'm trying to say to you tonight is, is you can be in the wilderness, yet be in the promise in your mind and the wilderness won't hurt so bad. Y'all didn't get that. I'm in the wilderness, but in my mind, I'm in the promised land, so it don't matter. What am I saying? By faith, I'm already there. By faith, I've already arrived. By faith, I have everything I need. So if I got to eat bologna and cheese today, it don't mean anything, because as far as I'm concerned, it tastes like filet mignon. Because I'm already in promised land. Y'all ain't saying nothing tonight. So promised land mentality or 
working the wilderness, if you will, mentality, it starts in the mind. We don't have to go through this. If you've been around me any amount of time, you know I'm a mind teacher. Well, Romans chapter 12, the renewing of your So what do you have to do first? You got to renew your mind. You waiting on God to bless you with a new job? You got to renew your mind. Come on, somebody. You waiting on God to make your marriage better? Maybe your marriage is in the wilderness right now. Husband won't act right. Wife won't even go to church. Who knows? You got to renew your mind. How do you approach that marriage? Come on. You got to renew that mind, baby. How are you going to overcome? Good for you tonight. Good to see Bible study a little more full uh, than usual. Praise the Lord. Watch this. Somebody's renewing their mind. Instead of sitting at home watching Foolish Scandal, you decided, why should I watch something that's guaranteed to send me to hell? Makes sense to me. Turn that off and get up and go to church. You got to renew your mind. I'm going to bless you real good. When you're in the wilderness, and I'm not talking about faking it till you make it, one of the things you do while you're in the wilderness, you don't have a whole bunch of money, you don't have a whole bunch of resources, but you do know how to get up and look handsome or pretty. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You don't have to have no tailor-made suit to have dignity. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Man, when you're in the wilderness, you know how to go down to Goodwill. You're, you're hearing from somebody who got experience. You know how to go down to Goodwill and get a whole suit for $9, buy a blue one and a khaki one, change the tops, and you got four outfits all month long in the wilderness. Y'all ain't saying nothing tonight. But we let the world bamboozle us. We let the world make us think that we don't have when we don't have. But if you shift your mindset, I'm teaching good tonight. If you shift your disposition about what's going on in your life, you're living in an efficiency studio apartment, but you already live in the Taj Mahal because your mind is out of the wilderness. Somebody shout hallelujah. So just as Moses was lifted up as a, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man has to be lifted up, yes, in his dark place in the wilderness. Everybody say, change your mind. So how do we survive the wilderness, Pastor? How do we survive the in-between season? I'm ready to get in my points. Let's do it. How do we survive it? Number one, remember that God heard your cry in bondage. That's so important. Go with me to Exodus 2 and 23. One of the biggest plights, and I talked about it on Sunday, get that CD. One of the biggest plights of the church, sound guys, don't worry about it, we'll be just fine. Can y'all hear me? Amen. We're going to be just fine. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2, verse number 23. One of the biggest plights of the church is what I call recidivism. Going back. Spiritual amnesia. Forgetting everything God did for them. Right. You 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 believe in God for something greater. But then we forget how he really did heal us of the sickness. I mean, that really did happen. Spiritual amnesia just kicks in. We forget when we were in our darkest place, God really did bring us out. When you really thought you was going to lose your natural mind, God kept you and showed you a brighter day. And th- this, this is one reason why I believe God keeps a lot of Christians in trials, because he knows they're going to have amnesia. So the only reason why he's you know, he going to keep them in church, he got to keep pressure on them. 
Only way he's going to keep them praying at 5 a.m. in the morning is to keep a trial. And I'm telling you, you call it bragging if you want to, but I have come to a place in my life where I have had some trialless days. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm talking about days where I ain't going through nothing. That don't go over well, do it? Because we've just been trained to go through. You notice I don't even preach a lot of messages about going through. That's boring stuff. Why are you going through all the time? All the time? I mean, I give you those once a quarter. You need that every Sunday? I'm coming out every Sunday. Got a hoop out, I'm coming out every Sunday. We can't even get on meat because we got to remind you, you coming out. When, when, when is your emotions going to catch up with God? Stop questioning what God is doing in your life and just relax. Enjoy life like it is. What are you going to do next? Nothing. Relax my nerves. Come on, somebody. Because the enemy wants to keep you in chains all the time. That's his objective, and it's in the disposition. Let's go to Exodus 2, 23 through 25. Come on. We always coming out. Exodus tw chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. Everybody say, God heard my cry. And it came to pass in the process of time, this is when Israel was in Egypt, that the king of Egypt did what? Died. God got rid of your enemy. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage, and they cried. And the cry did what? Came up to God by reason of the bondage. But don't stop reading. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered what he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. That means God brought them out. This is good teaching tonight. And one of the reasons why we stay wilderness mentality driven is we forget what God had done. You know why that group, uh, Moses group, didn't go in the promised land? They forgot the Red Sea. Think about that. You're talking about a God who literally parted a body of water. You didn't have nowhere to go, Pharaoh behind you, you're getting ready to drown in front of you, God delivered you out of that, and now you still murmuring and complaining? They forgot what God did. Anybody know somebody like that? It's not you, come on. Just forget what God did. I've done it before, I'll be honest. I want God to do the next thing so much, I forget what he brought me out of. Remember that God heard your cry in bondage. Sometimes it's the very thing that we prayed for that causes us distress. I'm getting ready to show this to you. Don't deify your experience of being bound. It wasn't that good. That's what Israel did. Back in Egypt, we had food. At least in Egypt, we had this. Come on. At least in Egypt, we had, they deified that Egypt experience. They made it something that was so great. If you're in here tonight and God is bringing you out of a toxic relationship, stop acting like it was so wonderful. I'm talking about dating or marriage. It wasn't that great. 
Those things you had to go through when you didn't know whether or not your spouse was doing this or doing that behind your back, always lying, stealing, cheating. You didn't know what was going to happen next. And then God finally broke you through, and you got a taste and longing for what he brought you out of. That's one of the things that keeps domestic violence victims so bound. They long, I'm telling you what I know, even from a mental health standpoint, it's the cycle of abuse, we call it. They long, they still long for his warm body. I know he used to go upside my head, but I just long for his conversation. At least we could go out for dinner when he wasn't being mean to me, and I'm not being insensitive. At, at, you know, at least he would buy me something on my birthday Longing for the bondage. Don't deify where you come from. I got a good one for you. I see that with people who transfer over from bad churches. When they say stuff like, well, at my last church, we used to do it. And I always say, well, why are you not there? You acting like you came out of the promised land. <laughs> Y'all don't like my talk. Now, I ain't going to hush. You don't come out of a place where the pastor enjoyed touching little boys and you want me to feel bad because of what you used to do at that church. And you don't came into the holy place where the pastor actually sits next to his wife and not just as an image. It's not just image driven. They like sitting together. You didn't came somewhere where they like sitting together, and we're supposed to feel bad because in your last church, you used to drink hot cocoa during Bible study. And we need to be a little more innovative after all. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. I'm helping you. You're deifying bondage. If you don't want to deify bondage, somebody say, Lord, make me free. Watch this. Part of separating yourself, remember we taught on this, is nouns. You got to figure out those people, places, and things that remind you of the past and throw them away. Don't deify it. Nouns. Some of you need to go home tonight as you are trying to move in the promised land. And some photo albums, don't put it on fire. You might burn your whole house down. But get your scissors out. Shred them, yes. Put them in the shredding machine. Have a shredding party. Be done with that. Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing yeah, come on. Part of separating yourself. Forget people, places, and things that remind you of the past. And then move to the positive nouns. And we're going to point number two. Surround yourself with people that celebrate your victory. That's how you're going to come out of the wilderness. People, places, and things. Don't miss Sunday. Lord gave me a good word if he doesn't change it. Well, I'm going to help you with the, just, just, just the value of a good church. I'm going to give you an example of that. The people around you who love the same God, got the same Holy Ghost, going in the same direction. You can't buy that. Speak the same language. Come on. That is Carter Priceless. You can't buy that. That's what you need to be around. And the enemy will minimize the value of that and make you think it's not that big of a deal. That religion is just a part of your life. No, Christianity is your life. Somebody say we're coming out of bondage. 
So remember that God heard your cry. But then I love number two. You're close to it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter one. Put this in your notebook. Uh, How do I survive seasons uh, in the wilderness or my in-between season? This is so good, Cerulea. It says, don't repeat any behaviors that got you in bondage. It extends the wilderness. Man, that's a good one. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter one. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you tonight. I'm going to help somebody tonight to get their victory. I'm telling you, don't repeat. This is the way I really got out of sin. Now I'm going to break it down in sin terminology. One of the ways I got delivered some years ago was I started understanding that every time I went back to my old habits, it was pushing the reset button on my destiny. Because God, by effect, is a good God. And until I matured, from being a child to being an adult in this thing, he could not give me legitimate keys to the kingdom. I didn't qualify for keys. So he had to keep me in milk status. Like those of you, and I'm not being mean, hear me soberly, but if you find the enemy making you answer the altar call for the same sin for a whole quarter, he's got you in a cycle of pain. He's constantly, and please come, everybody say, go to the altar. Please keep coming. Don't worry about what people think and how to, if that's what it takes for you, keep coming. Just understand, though, every time you go back, you relapse back, you push reset on what God wanted to do. Not just by going to the altar, I'm talking about by getting back into the sin. Because one of the things sin does to you is sin puts you under condemnation. Let me tell you how condemnation works. Whenever you get under condemnation, you then don't believe that you deserve anything. Y'all don't like this talk. The last time, you don't have to raise your hand, you got in some real nasty sin. Nothing in you felt righteous enough that even though the blood of Jesus is what makes you righteous and it's not by works, but nothing in you felt good enough to go and ask God for something. Sin takes away our boldness. Are you in here? And it pushes that reset button on what God would have done. Look at Deuteronomy 1 and 2. You've heard people say that an 11-day trip took them 40, uh, 40 years, 40 days, if you will, 40 years. And uh, I want you to see this thing in Deuteronomy 1 and 2, because watch this, Deuteronomy 1 and 2, then we're going to look at it in Amplified Bible. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. If you don't know what that means, that is simply saying In order to come from the wilderness into the promised land, somebody say it only takes 11 days. Now let's read it in the Amplified Bible. It is only 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea on Canaan's border. Yet Israel took how many years? 40 years to get beyond it. For those of you who have an Amplified Bible, good Bible to have. Israel took 40 years to get somewhere that really should have only taken them 11 days. Stop right there. Why did their trip get expanded that long? Because Israel consistently reverted back to their old ways and thoughts of being. That's the bottom line. 
Moses had the hardest time leading Israel. This was not Joshua's generation. If you have time, I want you to take uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy and compare it to the book of Joshua, and there's a sharp contrast. In the book of Joshua, the children of Israel were conquesting land every chapter. They go from I, Jericho, my God, they knocking down another city, taking more territory. You read Joshua, I think it's 13 and 1, and the Bible says, and there even remains more land to possess. And before you know it, Joshua is dividing up the land amongst the 12 tribes. They're constantly conquering. Then you read somewhere around Joshua 26, he says stuff like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had been blessed of the Lord. And when Joshua lost a battle, he got rid of the enemy real quick y'all ain't saying nothing Achan had to go when he lost Joshua was upset and he went to God and he said what happened and God told Joshua get up and stop crying he said remove the sin out of the camp and I'll bless you he got hold of Achan and his family he said I ain't even gonna let your offspring stay here I'm burning all y'all up set them on fire and y'all think it's mean when people got to sit down. He set them on fire. <laughs> Come on. He said they got to get out of here. And the Bible does say cast out the scorner. Get rid of them. They're cancer. Get them going. One bad apple. Spoils the bunch. Come on. So Joshua's generation was constantly conquesting, but if you look at Moses' generation, it took them 40 years. But I got news for you. They still didn't go in. Only Joshua and Caleb from that generation got in. The rest of the murmurs and complaining was locked out by God. This one of those teachings for grown folk tonight. This ain't for somebody who wants to stay bound because either I'm encouraging you or I'm challenging you. Either way, it's good stuff. How come it's taking you so long to catch up with God? Come on. Catching up with God. Always catching up with God. Come on. Some of us, and, and, and this is going to sound strong, but some of us need to kind of just sit down and listen for a change. Because every time you take your life into your own hands, it messes up. Look at verse number six of Deuteronomy one. Then the Lord our God spoke unto Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough on this mountain. Somebody say we've been here long enough. You know, that's what we do when we counsel with folk who we saying the same thing. Sometimes I'll literally say, you know, I've been on this mountain too long. Pastor, what you mean? We don't talk about this too many times. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Now, I, I still need to help you to understand what's appropriate boundaries between you and another single. That's too much. We, st we still dialoguing about whether or not you should tithe and give offering? You still struggle with that? That's too much. Well, I just don't think it takes 10%. Well, read the New Testament, sell all you have and bring it. Is that better? That's what Acts says. They sold everything they had. We skip over that. 
I declare if we all sold all we had, we could build our church tonight. You want to use those rules? Which rules you want to use? Come on. You want me to start preaching? I can preach that or a measly 10%. And you feel good because you gave God $5? See, I don't make people feel good about stuff like, well, Pastor, see, and there go that qualifying spirit. What if that's all they have? What if that's all? See, there you go. What if that's all they have? Pastor, that's all they, that's all they have. That ain't all they have because every time you see them every two weeks, they have their hair done. So that ain't all they have. Their priorities say that's all they have for God. All right. Get back on track. You've been on that mountain too long. And he said, get up and take your journey. Move, move. Let's go. Go into that land of the Canaanites. Everybody say promised land. Watch this. Verse number eight. Somebody say, God's got promise for me. Behold, I set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and their seed after them. You know what God is saying to us tonight? Come on out of the wilderness. Go get it. Go possess it. How many of you know you're not going to wait another semester talking about you going back to school? Come on. You're not going to wait another year talking about you preparing for the house. You're going to actually start preparing. Because you might not close this year. You might have to last the wilderness and cut back and not do what everybody else is doing. You're not going, you know, you're doing a good Dave Ramsey plan. You're budgeting. You're doing things God's way, right? And you, you're just not able to participate in everything that everybody else is participating in. But watch this. Next December, when we're having your house warming, Because you made the strides necessary. And saints, I'll never stop preaching this. This is why I'm going to give you some wisdom. Never get mad at somebody who's legitimately blessed. Because you have no idea the steps they took in between coming out of Egypt in the promised land. Never despise of them. When somebody comes up to me and says stuff like, do you think these pastors really need to have jets? Why? Why does that bother you? You ever ask the CEO of Target why he has one? How come it bothers you that a man of God has a jet who legitimately has to travel? How come that itches you? I just got on somebody's nerves. Don't worry, I'm not taking a building fund money to get a jet, just so you know. That's not my objective. No. But, you know, do you really think, and we ain't just talking about pastors tonight, do you really think those people need all of that? Why does that bother you? Did you do what they did? Because guess what? You can have too. You just got to work it. So you're not repeating any behavior. Somebody say, I'm not going back. Come with me to Galatians 5 and 1. I want to show you this thing. Somebody say, stand free. See, if you stand free for the season when you're supposed to be free, when it comes time for God to bless us, nothing can stop it because you stood free. I'm getting ready to show it to us in the Bible, Melvin. Look at this. And I just really want to show you one verse. Don't push the reset button. Galatians chapter 5, one verse. What does it say? Stand what? 
fast, therefore, in the, there it is again, liberty wherewith Christ has done what? And notice he gives us more advice. And be not what? Entangled how, though? He didn't say just don't be entangled in bondage. He said be not entangled again. Which means that some of the believers in the church of Galatia were being entangled again. Many of us in here, the Lord has delivered you from religion. Don't be entangled again. You do believe in the Holy Ghost. You do believe in talking in tongues. And when your family visits the city, stop keeping them at home on Sunday because you do shout. Yeah, you do. Let them see you shout. Let them come to church and say, is that you? You? Man, sometimes I'm doing this consulting out there, uh, and I did some consulting for one of the area universities, and some of the officials from that university came visit us one Sunday. And boy, I about tore that towel up that Sunday. And I looked at them in my peripheral vision, and they were like, good, is that Dr. Rogers? We don't know Pastor Rogers. What you ashamed of? Come on. You're a blood-bought believer. Come on. We ought to take that mindset with us. Yeah, I shout. NBA and all shouting. Come on, somebody. Because it was God who did what? Gave you the NBA. It was God who gave you the bachelors. It was God who gave. In fact, why don't we give a praise break right there? Somebody shout hallelujah and let them know it's to him that deserves all the glory. Don't repeat behaviors. Praise him right now. Come on. Hallelujah. So remember that God heard your cry. Number two, don't repeat the behaviors because it does what to the wilderness? It extends it. We've all met somebody who's been in the same place since we've known them. They never graduate. Come on. I'm not being mean. But they never graduate. You see them year over year. Their life does not progress. God has called your life to go from glory to glory. The path of the just is, is, is as bright as the sun, shining sun, and it grows brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Our life gets better. I was talking to uh, a relative, and you can call this arrogant if you want to. I call it confidence. And they said, well, you know, you never know where you'll fall. I said, not me. I don't know where you're going to fall. I know where I'm going to fall, right in the will of God. I, I can't speak for everybody else. Well, you just, you don't know what kind of hardship you are, not me. I'm going to always have more than enough. Amen. I'm a tither, a giver, and I love God with all my heart, not me. My mindset has shifted. I'd never be, I wish somebody would proclaim it with me, I'd never be broke another day in my life. Come on, even if you're broke right now, I won't be broke, not for long. In fact, this is my last night, by faith of being broke. I'm not going to be broke another day. The job coming in tomorrow, I won't be broke another day, not me. It's a mindset. It's a disposition. I'm not going back over this again. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stand free. But then number three, and I love this one, Tamiko. Look at this, brother. 
set small measurable milestones. I like this one. The Holy Ghost gave me this as I was studying. Then I'm going to give you the final one, which is probably the most important one. But set small measurable milestones. You don't have to turn here. You've heard me quote it a thousand times. Put it in your notes. Proverbs 13 and 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. All right. Now, let's use example of debt getting out of debt, and let's call that the wilderness, all right? So when you're coming out of debt, you kind of got this house mortgage that's probably $125,000. Then, you know, you, you probably got a car loan, and, and that's okay, you know, because you, you owe ten, eleven thousand $11,000 on a car loan. Then you got that Visa or Master. Everybody say one credit card. Come on, somebody, if at all, if at all. But then you got that one, and that's got about $1,000 on it. And, you know, we borrowed this out of Dave Ramsey. He talks about the debt snowball. And he says instead of paying the house off uh, first, uh, you pay the credit card, the smallest $1,000 bill. You pay that off first because that will give you fire to keep going. All right? It's gradual. It's small, measurable steps. Right? And in psychology, we call it behavior modification. You're gradually but surely modifying a behavior. You're telling somebody to quit smoking. Now, for the record, this is not necessarily how deliverance works, but I'm using psychological model. You tell them, okay, you've been smoking 10 cigarettes a day. Let's dumb that down to five. Small, measurable steps, all right? I usually tell them just stop, but small, measurable steps. Okay, I'm just telling you the models out there. Okay, some of these stuff, though, is, is legitimate kingdom principles, like getting out of debt. So you're not going to pay your house off tomorrow morning. At least tonight, we don't assume that that would happen. But now by faith, you might pay yours off. So I'm not telling you that that won't happen. I love being at a church when I say stuff like that. And people are like, shucks, you don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. That's faith. That's good. And I like that. So I'm not rebuttaling that. Perhaps you come into an inheritance tomorrow, and I'm not making light of that. Or there's a glitch in the computer, and they just send you your deed. How many know that can happen? Amen. And I'm not going to tell you that's not going to happen. I've seen stuff like that happen to people. But let's just say it doesn't happen that way. All right, you pay that credit card off, and since you set in small measurable steps, real practical tonight, once you pay the credit card off, you have a reward. Okay? So the reward, and see, this is where we really got to help us out, because how many of you know we're feelings-driven? Y'all know the we I'm talking about. We move by feelings sometimes. Not all of us, but some of us move by feelings, okay? All right? And so when we do stuff and we come into our victory, instead of us just having a legitimate reward like a nice meal, now that we pay the credit card off, we can take that $50 and go to Harper's or something to reward ourselves, we go to Mercedes-Benz. Felix Sabatis. I'm ready now. I done got free. And it's time for me to drive that Escalade, praise the Lord. Come on, and give me the biggest, baddest thing you got. Because after all, I did pay a $1,000 credit card off. How many know that's not what we're saying tonight? You pay the credit card off, and then you get 50 times the debt you had, right? What you do is when you nail it, when you nail it in life, you celebrate that victory in a sober way as to stop long enough to say, I'm so glad I made it this far. It's what we did the devotion on two weeks ago. It's called reflection. 
Because, see, you got to reflect so you have gas, saline, for the next step. Like KCC, I can, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You closed on your new buildings and land, I'm going to call it the campus. You know what you ought to be doing right now? Reflecting. You ought to be replenishing. Come on. You're being built back up. You're getting that fire so you can go to renovations and the next steps and, and you know, your certificate of occupancy and all those kinds of things. But you are, you, you got to take in for a second. You know, because you have those seasons in the wilderness where you just get tired. And this is why the Bible says, and I know this is blessing somebody, Tammy. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. One of the enemy's arsenals is war weariness. If he can wear you down, he could get certain thoughts going in your mind. Vicki, maybe it's not worth it after all, Margaret. Maybe, Antoine, I shouldn't try. Maybe I shouldn't go for this. Because of war weariness, burnout. We do that too much in the church. The same sister got to sing 18 songs every Sunday. That's burnout. We don't do that here. But burnout, then all of a sudden she just backslides. She said, golly, the world was better than this. I'm working too hard. They want me to sing everything. Man, I'm going back to the devil. Enough. Don't do that. But too much. Right. You've got to take in and let me go ahead and deliver us because, Lord Jesus, we're going in the summer months. Gabe clarify. You don't take a break from Bible study. Some wife would go home tonight talking to her, talking about something. Well, baby, you heard what he said. We got to be restored. We got to be replenished. We ought to take a month off. Come on. That ain't how you get replenished. I need to be restored. I don't have to pray every morning. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, if you take a Wednesday fast off every now and then, every now, everybody say every now and then. Come on. You take one off every now and then, praise the Lord, and because you had to eat a cheeseburger that day, okay. All right, just got the best of you that day. It's all right. Not going to hell. All right? But in generality, you need the presence of God, and we've got to have these small rewards, a nice meal where we celebrate, where we enjoy what the Lord has done. And I'll tell you what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about the last major thing God brought you through. See how that works? The last major thing. See how that works, Tanya? God brought you through. Then I want you to add another thought to that. What did I do in response? Because the proper response would have been praise, and you don't have to do that now, but the second response would have been, let me get some oxygen. That's not a shouting point. That's wisdom. Number four, and we're going home. The first one is, you're going to survive the wilderness. Remember that God did what? Heard your cry. Number two, don't repeat the behaviors because it does what? Extends the wilderness. Number three, what should we do? Small, measurable steps. Thank you. I can tell you're hanging in there with me. But number four, number four, number four, and since we're talking about Jesus, let's end it with Jesus. Focus on the joy of the reward. Focus on the joy of the reward. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. 
I love this passage. If you ever want to know, and this is the end to our lessons from the cross, but if you ever want to know why Jesus stayed on the cross so long, this is your answer. Jesus knew what was up ahead. Everybody lives off of incentives, including Jesus. He knew what was coming his way if he would just endure that cross. And I don't know what your cross is tonight, but there is joy on the other side. Look at, look at verse number uh, 12, and, and in first and verse number 12, the Hebrew writer references the uh, people in chapter 11, like Abraham, Rahab, Moses. He, he references them, and he says, use them as an example of how you can overcome. Listen to what he says. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily besets us. Somebody say, don't push the reset button again. And let us run with what? Patience. The race that is set before us. So sometimes when you're coming through the wilderness, what do you have to have? Patience. Patience. But then, verse number two, looking unto who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now here's the key in the B portion. Who for the what? Joy that was, where was the joy? It wasn't in the wilderness. It wasn't in the wilderness. There's no joy in the wilderness. None. Depending on the wilderness. Man, you're getting debt free. You're coming out and you're working two jobs and you just is tired. Or, or you you in school and working and ministering to your family. You're so tired. Nothing joyful about that. You know, that weighs on you. But the joy was set before him and that gave him the power gasoline to endure the cross he didn't worry about the shame and as a result of that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God when Jesus was on the cross he was always focused on the seat that he was dying for <laughs> Jesus knew there was a reward this is why I don't care what your wilderness is. If you don't want those difficult jobs, continue to work hardly as unto the Lord because it may not even be that job that promotes you, but as you're working unto the Lord, God's got promotion. How many of you know the same people you bless may not be the people who bless you back? Did you know that? I tell my little stories all the time, but one of the reasons why, even at KCC, I have inherited faithful people is if you trace my life down through the past 20 years of ministry, I have always been faithful. You see how that works? So you reap what you sow. So you're faithful now. Some of you have no idea. You're being faithful now to God, the kingdom of God, your church, you name it, and you don't know what God has in store for you down the road. God marks that stuff. This is encouraging somebody tonight. He sizes that up. Run over to Psalm 27 and 13. I promise we'll go home. I'm done. But I just want you to be built up, man. I, I don't want to see anybody in this church lose uh, a, the, the fight, lose the battle, uh, fall back out in the world, of course, but then lose out on the things God wants you to have. You know, while you're waiting on your husband to be a nicer man, keep loving him. You're in your wilderness. He's going to come around. Keep loving him. Look at uh, Psalm 27. 
I like this. Psalm 27, verse 13. One of my favorite psalms, again, you know it by heart. But David says what? I had done what? You know what that means? I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the what? Unless I knew I had a greater seat. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Where? Not in heaven. In the land of the living. You're going to heaven. Look forward to it. Build your hopes on things of eternal nature. But God's got things for you right here. He says in the land of the living. And then he told you what to do in your wilderness. Wait on the Lord and be of what kind of courage? And what's God going to do for you in the wilderness? Strengthen your heart. And then he tells you again, wait, I say on the Lord. That word wait means literally to serve with gladness while you're waiting on God to come through. That's what waiting is, Rhonda. While you're in your wilderness to continue to legitimately serve God out of a grateful heart to honor God, to not hold God to some relentless standard that so many of us hold him to all the time. God, if you don't do it by May 18th, I'm through. And, you know, God always challenges that with letting you get to May 18th and not seeing it. That's what makes him God. He does that on purpose. Anytime you give God a deadline, make certain he's not going to meet it. Because he always reminds us that he's in control. That's what Job realized in Job 42 when he said, no one can thwart your plan. He said, I abhor myself. Because first of all, God told him all for like two chapters. Read it when you have time. God told Job, slap off. Job got mad at God and was going off on God. And God said, where were you when I formed the world? Where were you? Man, he told him off for verses upon verse. If I was Job, I'd be like, God, stop, please. You're right. I wasn't near. And that's when Job rebuked himself. He said, I abhor myself. I can't believe I questioned your plan. And then he came around, and I'll, I'll do this for you one night, but he came around and said, no one can thwart God's plan, meaning no one can stop God's plan. Let me give you a hint. If you stay with God, it's not a devil in hell that can stop what God has in store for your life. I've seen people try to do it. I've seen them try to do it on many levels. I'm not just talking about church. You've seen them too. Anybody in here, you ever fought an adversary? Come on. But God says, no one, no one, when we're in the will of God, can thwart God's plan. So don't let the enemy, and this is such a powerful teaching, when you're in your wilderness, don't let him play and tweak your mind. Get in place with God and stay in place. God, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't changing my mind. Learn something from your young preacher. You know what I did for four or five years? I preached the gospel, and I'm going to do it another 50 years if the Lord lets me. But I preached the gospel in season and out of season. I didn't change my mind. When the Democratic vote came up and the Republican vote came up, and we had a black man running for president that was pro-homosexual, I did not change my preaching. 25 members met with me and left, but my preaching stayed the same. Didn't change nothing. They didn't get in my emotions. They didn't change my attitude. 
I still had the same smile. You ask Brother Melvin, every time we lost one under those parameters, the tithe went through the roof. What was God saying to us? I am your supply. I am your source. You don't rely on man. I hired you from the beginning. You don't thwart God's plan. Are you in here tonight? And I use that little church example because hopefully in your own life, you will be consistent. I ain't changing nothing. I ain't bothered by it. I'm glad we're in our halo season. You can stop the kick, John, before it goes over time. I'm glad we're in our halo season. You know, God's blessed.